0: Good morning, everybody. So nice to see your faces. I can see people out there. That's wonderful. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, And thank you for all those people who sent me uh, pictures of grilled cheese over the last (laughs) couple weeks. (laughs) If you were here for my sermon, you know what that's about. But I did appreciate the playfulness of that. And uh, yeah, you heard the message. So if you're a Christian here today, there's no doubt that your spirit inside you is alert. And that you will already know that we are living in a time of, of increasingly, increasing deception. Um, a mass deception has come on the earth. It's like, it's like a giant snowball's been pushed over the edge of a mountain, and it is gaining momentum and gathering uh, and destroying in its path. And uh, while it's easy to see that as Christians, what's it's easy to see what's happening in the world, I really want to uh, speak about this, but in the context of the church, the world will continue to rage, and we are praying for revival. We're trusting that there's a move of God that's going to come upon the earth one more time, perhaps, that many people will be saved. But if, in fact, we are living in the end times, and I think our spirit is witnessing with that, we need, as the church, to sharpen our discernment. We need to sharpen our ears. We need to get close with God and we need to align ourselves with him, his word and his principles so that we are not caught unaware. In the last days, the Bible says that there will be mass deception. 2 Thessalonians Three says, let no one in any way deceive or entrap you. For that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. First, listen to this. That is the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. Just let that sit with you for a moment. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 23 and 24, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. And then Jesus says this, he says, see, I have told you beforehand So everyone here has now been warned. If you've never heard the scripture before, you have now been warned by Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.1 from the Amplified. But the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declares that in the later times, some will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits, and doctrines of demons. Again, this is talking to Christians, to people who profess faith in Christ. Second Corinthians. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. So these people actually know that they are masquerading. And no wonder... For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. We see from these scriptures, and there are more, that the last days will see not just of an increase of ungodliness in the world, but the professing church itself will be besieged by mass deception. So much so that even the elect, Jesus says, will be vulnerable to this. And before you think to yourself, well, I would never be deceived, I would never fall away, it is important to recognize that people who are deceived do not know that they are deceived. And in fact, I have found that the people who are deceived are the most evangelical about their beliefs. They declare it unabashedly, they, they profess it, they, they, they promote it, they celebrate it. They are deceived, their their ears are dull, and their eyes are blind. As the scripture says, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He is convincing because of what he resembles, and that is light. He comes with good arguments and half-truths. He even performs what appears as miracles, healings feelings of euphoria and success. He promises you blessings, money, power, and influence. Second Thessalonians 2 talks about how Satan works, saying he uses all sorts of displays of powers through signs and wonders that serve the lie. So these things serve him. They serve the lie which he's promoting, and it invites people in through these false signs and wonders to embrace the lie which is behind it. So I'm not trying to fill you with doubt this morning at your present state, but I do wanna challenge you in asking, how do you know that you yourself are not deceived? And how do we know as a church that we are in alignment with God, and we are in alignment with his will, and we're in alignment with his purpose for this day that we're living in? We need to grow and to sharpen our spiritual discernment so that we can quickly and efficiently recognize and resist the deception of the enemy. I'd like to look uh, a little further at Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. So if you have a Bible or your phone, you can open that up. And the context of this passage is that Paul is wanting to tell the readers something deeper, something, um, of a, of a, a spiritual truth about Jesus and his righteousness. He wants to go deep with the people, but he finds he can't. He can't reveal this deeper aspect of, of what he wants to give because the people are spiritually immature. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, in the New, or 13 to 14, New King James. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of Full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The Amplified gives us a little bit more, um, more information about the scripture. In verse 16, it says, For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritually mature, whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. The word discern, also translated as distinguish, is translated from the Greek word diakresis which comes from the root word crino, which we also get the word critical from. So it's a, it's a term of judging. And essentially the word means to judge, but in this case, because of the prefix, and I've just included this uh, for you to look at, for the, because of the prefix dia in front of the word "crisis," the discernment reference is that which distinguishes lookalikes, i.e. things that appear to be the same. So it's not just about um, discerning things that are obviously different, but when things appear to be the same, how do you discern whether something is good or whether something is evil? Paul is saying that mature people discern, but they discern at a deeper, more precise level. They don't discern or judge on the surface of things, but are able to discern when things are not obvious and when things appear to be the same. He also says that this level of discernment comes from practice, reason of use. The NIV says constant use. So mature people are constantly exercising their discernment. They're constantly practicing. And Paul says that those who have not learned to discern in this way are still babies and are unskilled. They need milk and can't handle meat or deeper things. Jesus gives a frightening example in Matthew 24, which we already read, saying, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So if your judgment of whether a man or woman is from God, is simply to follow those who are capable of signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, then you're susceptible to deception. And unfortunately, you know, in our desire as charismatic people to, to see the fullness and the manifestation of God, and that's a good thing. Obviously, it's a good thing. But it makes us particularly susceptible being deceived, because if we're just simply following the signs, the wonders, and the miracles, and we're not discerning on a deeper level, that is potentially opens us to deception. I want in this context to offer you three ways, just quickly to offer you three ways that you can begin to sharpen your discernment. Become mature, and there protect yourself against deception. Each one of these Points is meant to be amplified. It's meant to be uh, spoken of uh, in a greater detail. But I just want to tease you this morning. I want to tease you to go into the Word and to start to explore these areas for yourself. If you practice these areas in faith, you will sharpen your discernment, you will protect yourself from deception. But also in the context, before I go into these three things, the context which I am speaking these things into is a local church body. One of the main ways uh, today that the enemy is deceiving people is pulling them out of the body of Christ, isolating them and bringing them into deception because they're not in a body, they're not in a family. So I encourage you... If, you, if you're here you know, with us, that's wonderful. If you're a visitor and you're trying to figure out where you want to be, just connect with the church. There's lots of good churches, lots of beautiful churches out there that you can be connected with, but get connected with the church. Real humans, real people who can touch you, who can pray for you, who can speak into your life, who have relationship with you. That is a guaranteed way to uh, uh, protect us. First one, and perhaps the most obvious one, to pro- sharpen our discernment and protect us from deception is the Word of God. Hebrews 4:12 says that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of whom we must give account. The word of God is by nature a discerner. It judges with righteous judgment. It judges our life. It brings clarity and it distinguishes good from evil. The more that we handle the Word of God, the more that we meditate on the Word of God, it actually goes into our person because it is living. It's like a living seed which takes root and produces life. This life growing in you will protect you. I was out of the Word for a while, just a few weeks back, and I went back to the Word, and it had been a while, I'd been just distracted, and got back into the Word, and actually, as I began to read it, I could actually physically feel it nourishing me. It was like God was saying, you, you, when you're out of the Word, you do it at your peril. You need that spiritual food. You need that spiritual nourishment. Likewise, by learning what God's will and Word says, we are able to make those precise, distinctions in the word world around us, so that we are, we are able to discern situations and people and doctrines, ideas, movies, podcasts, YouTube, whatever it is that we're bringing into our life, we can discern accurately and quickly whether that is good or evil and whether it is beneficial for us. Judging the source is extremely important, even when everything else on the surface seems seems the same. Um, the other day, uh, uh, my girls and I went down to uh, Ambleside for the, the Harmony Arts Festival, and uh, we went into the shop, which wasn't one of the shops that was featured, but it was on the side, and we went in, and there was all these kind of cool little curios, and, and you put these up on your, but each one, as we went by, had a, a Buddhist figure in it, and um, but some of them were really cute, <laughs> and I we kind of got out there, and I said, "What?" Do you, I said to my girls, "What did you feel when you were in there?" And they were like, "Yeah, I felt off. I felt wrong. It didn't feel right." I said, "Isn't it interesting that if we had picked out one of those items that had the cute little bears and the the you know it was just a cute item and brought that home with us, that the source behind that was." perverted. The source behind that was occultic. And we would have, if we had not discerned by the Holy Spirit, could have easily put that into our house and polluted our, our atmosphere. How else are you to know the nature of deception and how to avoid it if you don't even know what the Word of God says? You need to get into the Word in order to understand the nature of who God is, what He requires, and how then we should live our lives number 2 fasting <laughs> next yeah <laughs> galatians 5 says so i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with one another. So that you, do, that you are not to do whatever you want, or you cannot do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We have this thing called flesh. And... Um, it is the area that essentially is in con- it's contrary to God. It's contrasted to the Holy Spirit. So that inside we find often that it's almost like a war going on inside of us. And that flash is attached to our body. Why is it attached to our body? Because the body is still unredeemed. It's, it's still attached to the earth, it's still bound by death. And it's not until the resurrection that we get a new redeemed body. So that that body is still bound to a certain extent and and harassed by sin. And it is flesh that attaches itself to our body. So it's not that our body is evil, but the flesh itself attached to our fallenness in our body is able to have play. So fasting, which essentially is just depriving your your body of food, it may be pleasurable things and habits, subjects the flesh to discipline, subjects the body to discipline. It restricts the seemingly necessary urges of the body for a time. It says to your flesh, no, you are not in control. I am in control, and I want to do the will of God. I want to submit to the will of God. So I'm going to um, restrict your your ability to speak to me right now. I'm going to, in a sense, um, bring my body into subjection to show who is in control. Regular fasting keeps your body and flesh under house arrest. It shows self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. The body's urges and senses are decreased, and your spiritual senses are increased. Many times we are not able to discern spiritual things or even practice them because our bodies, our lusts, our flesh are just having way too much play in our life. By regular fasting, you show that you are the master over your body. It says to your body, "No, you're not in control. I know you want to sleep. I know you want to eat. I know you want I, you want to uh, watch those movies. I know you don't want to read the word." But I am actually in control, and I am now subjecting you to my will because it is my will that wants God's will. It is what you want. If you're a Christian, you want God's will. So you have to... But fasting is a discipline, it's a tool that gives us authority over the things which want to gain ascendancy in our life, which is the flesh. And in so doing, you're able to hear clearly, and discern more readily. Lastly, speaking in tongues. Now I understand that not everyone here speaks in tongues, but I do believe that God is willing and ready to release tongues for anyone who would ask of him. And if there is a barrier, or if there is something in the way, just keep asking. He is faithful because this gift is an essential gift. It's one that we really need for these last times, these last days. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. This one statement is a clue to Paul's ministry. And when we look at Paul's ministry, we we we're in awe of, of what he did, the miracles, the revelation he received, the things that he did. We, in, you know, if we're, as followers of Christ, would, li- would like to taste even just a small percentage of that. But he's giving a clue here to us as to what is the key to his ministry. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you which should, should encourage us that if Paul was speaking in tongues as much as he was, that we should do likewise. In 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says that when we speak in tongues, we build up our spiritual man, our spiritual woman. We edify and strengthen and create space to receive spiritual truths and revelation. In a sense, speaking in tongues is like going to the gym for your spiritual person. It is building spiritual muscle and sharpness. It is creating a capacity to hear, to discern, and to interact with God on a deeper, more powerful, more real level. So where fasting diminishes the flesh's influence in your life, speaking in tongues builds you up fills you up, prepares you for the things that God has for you. It says in 1 Corinthians fourteen two, when a person speaks in tongues, he doesn't speak to people, but to God. No one understands him. His, speak, his spirit is speaking mysteries. Isn't that wonderful? Tongues cuts out the middleman, us. It is a language that communes directly to heaven, directly to your Father. Our spirit to his spirit is a direct line to heaven. And you know this is true because sometimes if you are someone who practices and speaks in tongues, you know that you can be speaking in tongues and thinking about what you're going to make for dinner at the same time. (laughs) And sometimes that's a little bit... You're like, oh, what's really going on here? But it's because your spirit is speaking to God. Your mind can be doing different things, but your spirit is communing with, with your own Father, your Creator. You, if we are connected to the source, then we are less likely to be deceived. It draws us close at a time when we need to be close to our Heavenly Father, to receive instruction from Him and to be led by Him our spiritual faculties are sharpened. So finally, and in conclusion, I just want to say to each and every one of us, in this time, knowing what we know, what we know, what we know to be true, is that we are living in this this time of deception. Things are going off around us. But as things are going off, God is calling his church his bride his people to come close to sharpen our ears to sharpen our 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 knowledge to to be discerning to be close to him to be intimate with him and to discern at a deeper more precise level because Satan is raging and he comes as an angel of light we cannot just by virtue of our profession in Christ um, say that we will never be deceived because that is simply not true according to the scriptures. So, practice, practice, practice. Hebrews, back to Hebrews 5.13, it says, by constant use, by practice, by reason of use, we learn to distinguish and discern between things that are seemingly the same and to protect ourselves from deception. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We don't need to be fearful during this time, but we do need to be sober. And sober people, mature people draw close God when the signs around them say, danger. We don't run to the culture. We don't run to the world. We don't run to the talking heads of our our time. We run into God, and that is where we'll find protection. So bless you all, and keep practicing.